Hello, hello. Welcome to a little Juju podcast. My name is Juju and welcome to the podcast that is all about black ass spirituality is about our ancestors and it is about using our inherent magic, but what I like to say medicine, using our inherent spiritual medicine as another tool in this, this whole process of trying to get free, trying to dismantle um, these terrible ass systems that were put in place for us and to connect with our ancestors and the people who have done this before and using that information to create a better world. So actually I need to like write a whole, like I just need a, a standard, like welcome to the Little Judy podcast. This is the podcast about da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? I just have a difficulty writing that because I'm like, this podcast is super expansive and, um, you know, like, I don't know, it'd be about different stuff. But yes, generally, it's about our ancestors. It is about it's our, about our inherent medicine. And it is about being the spirit workers that we all are and using, 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 using our magic, using, using, using our medicine to get free. Anywho, somebody help me write that. That'd be really nice. I'd shout you out. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, get into the show. I got a lot of stuff to cover today. So yeah, let's get into it. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is all you need. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju, a little juju, a little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. Camfer no say. And I'll never give it play. I'll take your photos to the grave But that ain't even my thing I just stay at the crossroads, pray I just pour a little honey from my bay To make them stay Cause I hate when bay leaves But I manifest a little with my bay leaves I'm my ancestor's baby So I give them everything that they gave me Y'all, today I was like, I don't even know where I want to start with all of the things that I need to talk about because <laughs> on I'm recording on a Tuesday. I record on Sundays. So maybe that's a, a, a hint into how tired I have been and just the experiences that I've been having that have prohibited me from recording generally on, you know, my Sundays. Is it Tuesday? Oh, it is Tuesday. Yep. I'm putting a shower tomorrow. Like, okay, girl. Whew. So I've been in Atlanta for the past week, basically for work. And for those who don't know, the work that I do is very imaginative and putting that imaginative work into um, structures, into um, con- concrete ideas that an organization can move around and incorporate as a model for other black people to use as a way to address conflict, as a way to address harm, a way to be preventative about um, like fucked up shit that goes on in our communities. So basically work that centers around healing justice, work that centers around transformative justice, which is a term used a lot in like social justice spaces 
um, but transformative justice is like um, looking at justice in a way that is not necessarily about being punitive to the person that committed the harm, but it's about looking at the structural um, and institutional forces and reasons that that person could have did that harm in the first place and then looking to eradicate those structures. So it's not so much about the person, like the person who committed the harm, like we need to put that person in jail. We need to, um, whatever, that person. It's about, okay, so for example, if somebody robbed me, currently how we operate in this society, if someone gets robbed and the police catch them, that person will probably go to jail. Um, in a transformative justice lens, we would look at that situation and be like, okay, so you robbed somebody. So why the fuck are you robbing niggas? Okay, you're broke. There's no jobs around you. Um, you can't get hired for whatever reason. Um, the capitalism is fucking nuts, <laughs> you know? So we would keep in mind all of those institutional practices that set it up for you to be robbing niggas. And then also we would center the person who was harmed or who was robbed and be like, okay, so what do you need in order to like get through this situation? They would be like, I need my shit back. Like I want my shit back and I want them to throw in an extra $20 and the person would be like, okay, bet. So I'm gonna give you your shit back and I'm gonna throw in an extra $20. So if that's transformative justice in a nutshell, Boom. So just thinking through all of these different ways that we can understand how we want to address conflict with each other that does not include the state, that does not include, and not including the state is really important because the state has been set up to basically make money off of our bodies. It is never about, jail is never about someone coming back being a better person or rehabilitation. It is about punishment. And while those people are being punished, usually they're I mean, their humanity is being stripped from them, but then they're put back into the society, which they left and continue to do more harm because they weren't never in a place that was trying to stop them from doing harm. They were in a place actually that cultivates them to be a person who does more harm. <laughs> then they come back into society. So that's the kind of uh, work that I do. And um, it often uh, even includes doing a lot of labor, emotional labor for people. Um within like the organization if there's problems that arise if people have an issue with somebody um people will come to me to kind of help mediate a space for them to either be able to say what they need to say or figure out what need how do we move forward um i guess in typical jobs it'd be like hr but it really ain't shit like hr but you know a more radical <laughs> hr <laughs> maybe maybe but I, I wouldn't even like to use that language but anyway, so I've been doing that for a week. I was in Atlanta. Um, we, we were meeting at Spelman, which was amazing. That's my alma mater. That's where I went to college. So I was just reminiscing heavy, but also like having to carry a lot of emotional labor while being there. Um, and also part of like the logistical stuff that was going on. So I'm tired. And then after that, y'all, let me get, okay. Whew. You know what? Let me let, let's let's hop into um, <laughs> how you can support the podcast, and then I'm gonna get into that this this piper hot spiritual tea. All you need is a little juju. Okay, so there are many ways to help support a little juju podcast, and all those ways are deeply appreciated and loved and looked forward to. <laughs> so the first way that you can um, 
support the podcast is monetarily through the site Patreon. So when you sign up for Patreon, you are committing to um, donating $3 a month. That is $36 a year towards the podcast. And with that money, um, I use it towards doing anything that I need to do around my spiritual work, anything that I need to do around the podcast. So um, I still need to buy some headphones. Um, I would love to actually have a space that I can uh, record. I would love to pay somebody to edit the podcast because I really, I hate editing. (laughs) And also transcribing for people who need words or can't hear. You know, just all of that. Like, I need need coins to be able to do that. And so donating to the Patreon is a commitment-based way to donate to me and the podcast, which I really appreciate. If the uh, one the commitment is too much for you or like you might have a little bit of extra coin sometime and sometimes you don't get the money, I understand. You can also donate just through a one-time donation. Um, you could do that through Cash App. It's Jujubay, I-T-S-J-J-B-A-E. Um, don't forget the dial sign in front or through my PayPal, which is thejujubay at gmail.com. Both of those one-time donations. Um, and... Beyond monetary donations, supporting the podcast looks like telling your friends. It looks like when I drop the episodes, talking about it, um, interacting with the post on Instagram, sharing in your stories as you're listening to the podcast, because I, I usually um, mention it in my story. I don't know what do you call it, we, retweet, but it's not Twitter, I don't know, on Instagram and just talking about it on Facebook, telling people about it, um, subscribing and commenting on um, Apple Podcasts, like the site. You can give it five stars. You can add in a comment. I haven't gotten a comment in a while, so please don't forget to comment and rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, but whatever site you listen to, whether it's SoundCloud, Google Play. I don't even know if folks are listening on Google Play. I'm on Stitcher. So wherever you listen, rating it, the bestest rating ever, commenting, describing, letting me know what you enjoyed and liked. All of those are really important ways to help support and sustain this work that It's not just my work. I look at it as community work because this is all of our information. These are all of our ancestors speaking at the same time. So this is all of our work that we're sharing with each other. So those are ways that you can help sustain. um, And the sustenance is real, (laughs) y'all. It's it's real. I can't even get into all of that tea yet. Not even on this episode, but let me, the the donations. They're going to be real. They're going to be real, real important in the near future. Um. Anyway, yes, so I will have all of that information in the show notes if you are looking to contribute. I also have, I just remembered, uh, my book list. So if you would rather not donate money, I have a list of books on my Amazon wish list that you could buy me that helps sustain the podcast because it's information and I'm information sharing. So if you would like to buy me one of the books that I put on the Amazon book list, because y'all, I got so many books to read. I can't afford all them damn books. That is another way. Um, you can just buy it and it goes directly to my address. It's already in there. You just got to purchase it. Um, <laughs> what else? I think that's it. So all of that will be in the show notes. Thank you so much to the folks who have donated. And let me shout out my patrons because I got a few new patrons this week. So shout out to my patrons. Um, shout out to Cortland Alexander. Just became a patron of a little juju podcast. My boo Alexis. Hey, mamas. Became a patron. It's so sweet when my friends. Um, I guess it's so sweet. Okay. Um, Renee Sills became a patron. Um, Tanisha Cribb. Jaquan Watson. 
and Deborah Oyelakin, who I may have shouted out before, but if I did, you get another shout out. I appreciate y'all so, so, so much. And again, um, some of these folks are uh, paying more than the suggested donation. So you can always donate $3 a month. You can donate more and you can donate less. So it's not just, you know, there's a range of however much you want to give, whether that's $1 or a million dollars a month. I will take it all with gladness and happiness and, and humbleness and knowing that you ain't had to give me shit <laughs> and you did. So shout out to all of y'all. I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It means so much to me that you are sharing the energy of money with me. And so I pray that you all get it back tenfold. Um, I pray that um, everything that you touch brings abundance to you and in your life. So I'm mustering up all the good juju and sending it right, 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 right back. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you to my patrons. Thank you to everyone who has hit me up on the podcast, subscribing, rating, everything. It all means so, so, so much to me. So thank you. All you need is a little juju. Okay, so let's get into the Heal Yourself segment. So Heal Yourself is the part of the show where I talk about some juju-related tips and tricks uh, to heal, to address our health, whether physical health, mental health, spiritual health, whatever. Um, so today's Heal Yourself is pretty easy. It is. If you want to start working the medicines of the roots and, you know, roots have a spiritual spiritual energy associated with them plants are medicines we have plants in our kitchens the bless the best place to learn what each plant means and the best way to figure out workings that you can do for your own health for your own prosperity for your own abundance etc etc is going straight to your kitchen you don't have to feel like you have to go buy a bunch of stuff to be able to heal or to do spiritual work go to your kitchen if you got some garlic start looking up what garlic means garlic is a great protectant you got some basil you might have some basil in your kitchen look up what basil means do some research on that basil is a great herb to use for cleansing and protection um you got some salt in there salt is a great cleansing um it's great for cleansing. It's also great for boundary setting and protection of your house, of your space from energy that you don't want around. You got some, uh, shoot. I mean, go in your, you know, we can start in our, in our cabinets, in our kitchens. You know, kitchens are a portal. I'm not sure if I ever said that on the show, but kitchens are a portal. A lot of magic has happened in, in kitchens historically by our ancestors whether they're cooking, which is its own form of manifestation. And a lot of spirits actually live in the kitchen. So, you know, we can start there because that's where we keep our herbs. That's where the spirits of those herbs exist because that's usually, you know, that's in the kitchen. That's where you keep those things. So start in your kitchen and do that research. Look some stuff up. See the things that you have. What can you make from that? Because the thing about it is that a lot of the times we already have things that we need. Like we might have to go out and like get something extra. We might have to go out and like talk to a priest about something. We might have to go out and and have someone help us do X, Y, Z or buy some type of soap that might be helpful for us or maybe buy some extra herb. But for the most part, the things that you need immediately, you already have around you. Like the earth 
And I mean, literally, like when you go outside and the plants and the herbs that are used around us, like the earth always knows what it needs. So if you're in a certain part of the city and you see a certain type of weed growing a lot or you see a type of tree that's there often you can figure out maybe what what plant that is what herb that is what weed that is what whatever that is and look it up and see actually what the meaning is see what the the medicinal meaning is and then also the spiritual meaning which are are the same thing um and, and because the 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 earth knows what it needs so we have everything that we need around us the same thing goes for what is in our kitchens so if you've been feeling bad about some certain thing, if you've been feeling like maybe you're being spiritually attacked, if you've been feeling like it's hard for you to heal because you don't even have money to be able to go buy the medicines that you need, see what is see what you already have and you can work with that. You have enough, you are enough with a little bit of herb and mostly your intention and your prayers and your belief, you can do a lot with that. So go to your kitchens. Start a little list. What you got the most of? What are you pulling out? What are you attracted to when you look at your, when you look at your um, seasonings? What's calling you? Because it's probably something that you need. So use it. Look it up and figure it figure it out. Um, because you have what you need. You know, for the most part, we we have what we need. So that is the heal yourself tip for today. All you need is a little juju. Okay, so let's let me just recap what the hell I've been going through and talk a little bit about, well, a lot of bit about being a medium and what that means and how that shows up. But specifically, I want to talk about Mises. I, I feel like I mentioned Mises a lot on the show or like on um, Instagram, my Instagram stories or saying I'm going to a Misa online. And I know I try to kind of talk about what that means, but I really want to give us like a historical perspective of what Mises are, um, how they came about and how important they are to have, especially for black folks, especially us as black folk, um, to learn how to pass spirits. So let me start off by saying this. Before I went to Atlanta, I told you I went to Atlanta for a week. I just got back yesterday. Um, I had a very strange experience <laughs> so people who are in this life and you know like people who have been doing spirit work or work with spirits or commune with spirits they you know are probably familiar with this but if not um i've told you all before i think in previous episodes that i have a spirit husband so a spirit husband is basically a partner that i had in a past life that passed on that passed on I mean I also passed on I mean I'm in this the iteration of this current life you know as Juju on earth you know in the United States that is my life now but in a past life I was married to this man and you know we've continued our lives in in whatever form that may be but basically he still sees us as married and he still considers me his wife and so that can be a good or a bad thing. Like a lot of people who have spirit husbands, I mean, a lot of times spirit husbands are very protective of you. They make sure that you're safe. They make sure that you have a lot of the things that you need, et cetera, et cetera. Spirit partners are, you know, they bring that, like they care for you and love on you as a, usually as a partner should, if they were a good partner, you know, when y'all were actually married. And so obviously I'm married now, you know, I'm not, that's, that was a, a former life. And I'm in this life, but he is still holding on to the fact that we were married and we were committed to each other. So he pops up in my life 
um, somewhat regularly at really weird times just to show me that, you know, you got a man, <laughs> you know, see niggas ain't shit, even spirit, even spirit niggas ain't shit. So, um, before I went to Atlanta, like two days, I was chilling. I think I just like smoked some weed, chilling in the bed. And I feel like an overwhelming, like feeling of, of ecstasy and like I was having sex. And so, like I said, if you are in this life, you've heard of people having sex, like, with spirits. Like, people call on spirits to have sex with spirits. People um, want to have sex with spirits. This is things that people try to do because um, spirit sex is, like, low-key better than sex from another human being person. <laughs> it just it just is. Well, at least that's what I... Okay, so that's what I was told prior. Um and even like you can see like they be making fun of like little white like little white girls and stuff or like white women because you see little stuff on vice or whatever like this woman married a spirit and she says she talks to spirit and that's her husband and da 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 and they sensationalize it like the white people do and then also like whoever's interviewing them sensationalize it it seems like this very kooky weird thing but essentially it's really not kooky or weird it's it's quite normal um especially if you commune with spirits often or have really are really sensitive to spirits so anyway i'm chilling in my bed i'm high i'm blah blah, blah. i feel ecstasy i feel like i'm having sex and i just like completely get overwhelmed like as if i were fucking essentially because i was like <laughs> my spirit husband came down and he was just trying to get some and i was like low-key shook and it happened again maybe two days later so it's really weird to explain, but it just feels like an overwhelming amount of ecstasy and it feels like someone is having sex with you, but like not, not in a physical way, like, cause you feel a person on you, but you feel, if you're very sensitive, you kind of like feel the weight of the energy. You feel the weight of a spirit. You feel really good. And so I can, I can finally say that spirit sex is better. <laughs> it is better than sex. Like sex, sex, it is, but it's not something that I'm interested in. It's not something that I'm calling on the spirit to do. I know that people do that, no judgment, but for me, you know, it's not, I think that those stories end up with bad endings more than they do good because those spirit partners often are very possessive, especially spirit husbands, like, like niggas be possessive. They still possessive and they block you from having relationships with other people they block you they can block you from like having sex with other people um they can block you from a whole bunch of stuff and they get they can get wild and like i've talked about before with having a having connections to spirits and like having spiritual families and partners and friends a lot of the times they want you to come back to them so to their realm they want you to come back to quote unquote the heavens or wherever they are and so a lot of times that means you gotta die you know they want you to die <laughs> and not in a way that's like you know for us it sounds scary like oh my god they're trying to kill me this is evil no it's not that they just missed their friend and you're gone and so like come back like you said you was gonna be right back you've been on earth for this amount of time like you need to come be back with us so um yeah i i knew i had a spiritual husband but once i received egg bay which is like 
the the energy or the spirits of my fam of my spiritual family of my spiritual homies my heavenly homies my spiritual community my society I thought he would go away and he did not go away baby he is still here he is still around me he is still just with me but you know, when you don't break those ties or create boundaries with those spirits, they can just do too much. And so I'm not interested in, in having a spiritual husband anymore. So now I have to go through certain ceremonies and processes to break our bond, essentially, to get divorced. And it's kind of sad. But honestly, he just, I mean, because he, he's he's fine. Like, he's he don't be doing nothing, but it could get worse. And if I keep allowing him to just kind of come and just like take over my body when he wants to and giving him access to that, it could, I could start to lose control over myself. So I know it's, it's wild y'all. This, this life is, it's wild. It's, it's, it's wild shit happens. Um, so I'm in the process of trying to figure that out and then also kind of being sad, like, Oh, I'm getting divorced. That's wild. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, and also, um, people, who marry spirits and like go through ceremonies with spirits. Like if I wanted to keep my spiritual husband, for example, and I wanted to marry him, a lot of times people like that, they end up getting a lot of good shit in their life. Like, cause their spirit, cause they have a whole lot of spirit that's committed to them. So, you know, they getting a whole bunch of money. They in a nice house. They in the nice cars. You know, they are just living the life, having family and friends, but they can't ever find connection, like true love and connections on earth. And like, especially romantic love, because that spirit will not be having it. They're like, no, I'll give you everything that you want, but you're not going to be out here dating. You're not going to be out here talking to other people. You're not as if you were in a monogamous committed relationship. And so some people are completely cool with that. Some people are like, look, as long as I got my bag secured, as long as I got the things that I want, I got a good job. Like I got good people around me. I'm chilling. I don't need no partner. I don't need to find that deep love on earth. Cause I have, I got a spiritual bay. Um, but I'm not that type. <laughs> like I don't need a spiritual bay. I would rather find connections with the people that I'm on earth for. And then also recognize that I had a connection with this person. Well, with this spirit and I can like honor that too. And also like create altar space dedicated to that. But like, you're not finna come into my life and take over my life because that part, that iteration of my experience is over. So, you know, it's just people, people make their own decisions around it, but I, I would rather not get super involved and invested in having a relationship with the spirit. That's romantic. Um, I'm good. You know, that's, I'm good on that, but no judgment for people that do do that. Cause I know people who do do that. A lot of people have to get initiated also because they have spiritual partners who try to kill them. Um, or like spiritual heavenly mates, that try to kill them. And so some people get initiated because they're supposed to be priests. They're supposed to be helping the community. They're supposed to be doing, making medicines for people and doing readings or whatever. But some people get initiated, I mean, for a variety of reasons. One being sometimes they will not live. They like, they will, they will die because they have such strong spiritual ties from whatever spiritual community that they're from, that every day is just a struggle to get through because because of those partnerships. So, ooh, this spirit, this spirit life is not for the faint of heart. And it also kind of makes me think, I wonder, you know, those people who do kind of it seemingly quote unquote have everything, but they can't seem to find deep connections with people. 
like how much of that could potentially be a spiritual husband or, or partner or egg bay or just some sort of heavenly mates, heavenly homies that are blocking them from those from getting like and finding those that love and connection while they're in the physical realm. Because these spirits, they can be they can be so possessive, even outside of just romantically that they can be possessive in general. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, how much of this impacts so many of us and we don't even realize it or know because our spiritual intelligence has been stripped away from us so much that, you know, if this was happening hundreds of thousands of years ago, we'd be able to address it with proper ceremony and people would be like, oh, you got to just spiritual, but you got to do this or, you know, oh, that's your sister you know you had a sister in a past life and she's still holding on to you she don't want you to do that she um yeah so that was that <laughs> that was that i had spirit sex twice wow if i ever find a partner in this in this realm in this life i they they I, i'm gonna be so blessed because they're just gonna have to understand all of this shit <laughs> And not think it's wild. So anyway, I think that was an interesting segue into the most important thing that I experienced this week, which was I went to a Misa. Like I went to a Misa in Atlanta. I went to my friend Maisha's house. Maisha was, um, I interviewed her for the Hoodoo episode. Diviner, conjurer, mediums. She's everything. Very, very, very gifted. And... So, um, I was in Atlanta, I told y'all with my coworkers and two of my coworkers have had divination before naming them as mediums or being, or having that gift. And so I made sure to invite them to the Misa, um, at Maisha's house because it, it was, it's important for them. It's important for us to work our skills and to work and, and to grow as mediums, to be able to pass spirits and to also be able to give and help our community by giving them information and readings that other folks might not have access to because they might not be mediums in the same way. But both of my friends are really, really powerful mediums. So we went to the Misa after work. I was working all day. After we were done, we went, got our stuff together. And um, a little historical context for, for Misa's particularly also, Misa is the Spanish word for mass. And mass is the Catholic version of saying like a service a a church service a spiritual service um so and so the way that misas work it's basically um a space where you set up a table um and on that table it ranges because you can do misas so many different types of ways but generally there is a big bowl of water and there might be some other glasses on the table maybe not there's a, a candle big bowl of water and usually like liquors, including like rums or gins. And um, then there's also like a bath that we wash ourselves with before we do Misa. And this setup like of working the table and having spirits come through while working the table started from a man called Alan Kardec. And so I have a book by Alan Kardec. I didn't realize that he was the founder of spiritualism in this way but Maisha was kind of telling me that so basically Alan Kardec is this French guy born in like the 1800s and he actually in his 50s 
became really interested in mediumship. So people who claim to be able to have connections with spirit and communicate information from the spirit realm and from spirits and, and seances. So around that time in France, seances were a very popular form of actually entertainment. Um, so people having ceremony where they were calling spirits down and doing whatever they did, you know, that was, that was entertaining. It was also a communal way to connect with people and to, to share messages, but it was, you know, people was doing it for fun. And so he became really interested and basically he started doing research. Um, Kardec started interviewing mediums. He started really trying to think like, okay, so what is this? Cause like, it can't be explained, but people are, are able to say things about dead people that they didn't know. And, and be accurate about it. People are able to give messages that you would think that, they, I mean, just like saying shit that like, how did you know that? Like, this is wild. This is, this is some wild shit. So Kardec did that research and that information and talked to mediums and, and basically compiled it all to create this form of spiritualism, like to create this this way to kind of synthesize all the information that they're saying and put it into a container so that people can understand and do and have a specific type of seance. So with this specific type of seance, it meant putting out a table, putting a white tablecloth, having the bath, having the candle. And he listed out and made multiple books of different prayers to how to call spirits, how to conduct a Misa, how to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then just from that point, it grew, like it spread all over the place. So this is, this started in Europe. This started from a French, a French guy. Um, and now we are, it has been incorporated in so many different traditions in different parts of the world because it was such an easy and accessible way to have a seance an easy and accessible way to call spirits because he synthesized it in such a way. So that is what, um, the mass or misas are. I first came to start doing misas when I was in a Lukumi, um, house. Um, and we, you know, it's not necessarily a part of Ifa Lukumi to have misas, but recognizing that, so like in Ifa and Lukumi, whatever, there's the recognition of like our spirits, our Orishas. But then also knowing that there are ancestors who are trying to communicate, um, who ancestors are also part of Lukumi and Ifa. But like there are spirit guides who try to communicate. Some people call them angels. Some people call them, people call them whatever, guides, spirit guides, angels, ancestors, spirits that walk with you. And they have messages for us too. So a way to get those messages is to have Misa. So that's how we can invoke possession, meaning we can invoke that spirit to literally come through our bodies and to, and to give us the information that they want us to know. And so even when Alan Kardec did that and it grew, having Misas and working the table became a way for community members to get information that they needed to be able to, um, to be able to communicate with their loved ones because the mediums will all come together, have the table together, and they would invite the community out and the community would come. The mediums would get possessed or they, they might not get possessed. You don't have to get possessed in, in uh, Misa. You can also just be a medium and you're just talking to spirit and just delivering messages. So, 
essentially the community's there with all these mediums and the mediums are delivering messages that they might need to know. Like, hey, I know your brother just died. He's telling you that everything is is going to be okay and da 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 Or, hey, I see this spirit around you. This spirit needs elevating and that's why you haven't been able to... That's why you might have been feeling blockages in your life because the spirit that walks with you needs to be elevated and do X, Y, Z. Like this was a gift to the community. It was something in donation based. Like people would come and maybe like give a, whatever they had or like offer foods or etc. And you get read. You just in a room full of mediums and they've written down. They getting possessed. They, they doing their thing. And so uh, that is what we did at at Maisha's house. I've had a Misa before in my house and invited folks and I got possessed. And that was the first time I was fully possessed because as I said before, I was doing it in my previous house, but I never got, I was never able to, able to completely pass a spirit. And so when I had the Misa in my house, I was able to pass multiple spirits. And so what I'm really, really, really proud of that happened this past week was when I was at Maisha's, I passed, I passed multiple spirits and my gifts were even sharper and I was even able to read without being fully possessed. Uh, so, so the first night we set it up, how we did it, we were reading one of my friends and, you know, he was in the middle and the mediums are, you know, around him and, um, and the mediums were around him, meaning me and my friends and basically, we're just like looking at him and seeing and and speaking aloud what we see. And the, you know, Maisha was saying this to us while we were there, like it works as a current. So one person might see something that might not make sense, but it's always encouraged to kind of say whatever you see. So even if you just see waves, you know, like, you know, I'm looking at. I'm looking at this person who I'm reading. I'm like, I see waves. Another person will be like, oh, yes, I see waves too. And I also see um, your ancestors who might, who were lost in, in the waters during transatlantic, you know, slave trade. Oh, yes. Okay. So now I see da, 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 da. And so it works like that's why it's so important that we just, you know, say what we need to say in the room. And it's just such a great way to work on being connected. I work on being connected um, to the spirit realm because you start to look at a thing and then knowing that you have a gift, you start to see beyond what you're actually looking at. So I might be looking at a person and just see a person, but when I'm calling spirit down and I'm like smoking, which causes, you know, I, I chain smoke in Mises cause my spirits love tobacco and that tobacco also calls spirits. So I, I am chain smoking and you know, liquor also helps too you start to see past the veil. So like the veil of the physical realm, the things that people tell us that we, we're supposed to see, like I see a bed, I see, you know, a person. I see, you start to see beyond that. You start to see the other shit. And the Mises are a place to start seeing the other shit. So I was just able to see a lot more shit than I've ever seen. Um, I passed one of my spirits, um, who is my one of my faves. Um, and she's just so fun and lovely. And I passed other spirits who I didn't even know fully. Um, I saw some Injuzu spirits, which are spirits of the water, the water deities. I passed one of my Congo spirits. Like I have a lot of spirits that walk with me. And, you know, I I was just able to... It, it, I, 
it, it's like sometimes it's like I know I'm a medium, but when shit gets so real like that, like in Misa, and I pass spirits and I'm like communicating things and have messages for people, it's like yo, I really am a medium. <laughs> like, Nah, I'm a medium medium. Like, this shit be, it's wild. And so I'm just sort of in shock. Every time I pass a spirit, every time I read somebody, every time that happens, I just become even more shook. Because every time I do it, I get better and better and better. And I also see my friends um, who are like, they went into this completely like, what the fuck are we getting into? I'm scared. I don't know what's about to happen. Is it about to be wild and crazy? Like they left being like, oh my God, I'm so grateful that I did this. I didn't even know that I was gifted like that. I didn't even know that I had the power to be possessed. And like we see possession a lot in this negative with this negative understanding, like, oh, it's demonic. Oh, you're being possessed. You're saying, you know, evil things. And it's like, what? It's not even, it don't even, it's not even anything like that. Like we literally have to unlearn and decolonize everything that we know about interacting with spirits. And Mises are such a, a good, 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 good way to do that because you leave feeling lighter. Like you leave feeling, mm, because when spirit comes, when it goes back, to the spirit realm, it takes a lot of your gunk with you. Like it takes a lot of the things that you're stressing about or whatever. I'm sorry, it takes it with them. So, I mean, but you do be hella drained after Misa. You be hella drained, hella all of that. So anyway, so long story short, that was the first night. Everybody got, everybody got possessed. <laughs> everybody got possessed the first night. Second night, it was an impromptu Misa. It was me, Maisha, and our friend. And we were just chilling, like, we didn't do a whole, we wasn't wearing white, we didn't do the whole prayers, and we just sat, lit a candle, put some water out, boom. We all reading each other. Like, we just reading, seeing what we see, I'm possessed again. <laughs> my, my lovely, my lovely Jamaican spirit came down again, and, and I was, you know, possessed with her, I'm saying what I want to say. Um, And then... The next day, I got possessed again. No Misa, no nothing. Um, she, Maisha had just shaken her, um, because she's a priestess of Njuzu. So she has, like, her Njuzu stuff. And, like, you know, she's calling on her spirit um, that she does when she's about to divine or, or whatever. And, baby, she shook that thing. I was gone. I was like, boop. And I just got possessed and or mounted again so yeah I really feel like I grew in such a phenomenal way like I was possessed three days in a row I've never had that I've never had spirit come through me so easily I've never had it come through people around me so easily I've never been in a space with so many gifted ass or I have been in spaces with so many gifted ass mediums but just like not in this like very casual way of like yes we had our whole Misa but also the next day we were just sitting there with water and candle and it was just like boom so I think it's so, so, so important. And I want to get better about this around training myself and also helping train people around me on how, on how to better, 
um, work our skills and how to better pass spirits because spirits have so much information that they want to share with us. So many of our spirit guides have been with us since we were born and from the beginning. So if, and they have like the most context to the shit going on in our lives and insight into what we can do and messages for us. And, and sometimes spirits latch onto us who don't need to be latched onto us. So sometimes people are literally like addicted to, for example, drugs because they have spirits around them who are addictive and who are like, um, what's the word? Unsatiable. Like I can't think of the word, but like they are never, they never have enough. And so if someone who is, has like an addiction who has problems with addiction sits in Misa, a medium could tell them like, oh, you have a lot of spirits or like, or maybe you have a lot of ancestors or people who have latched onto you who had addiction problems. And so they need to be elevated. That would help you then not have the, the cravings that you have from your addiction. Like this work, y'all, it's intense and it's real. And it's people don't often think about the spiritual reasons of why shit be happening in our lives. And I think a really, really good assessment of that, which, which we can all access is, is Misa. You don't have to be initiated into anything to conduct a Misa or to try to work your mediumship skills. You don't have to be a priest. You don't gotta be a nothing. Our ancestors, you know, have, have been spiritually gifted in so many ways and, and are, and, and we carry that in our, we carry those gifts with us. They didn't go anywhere. So if you feel like you're, you've always been good at reading energy, you feel like you've always been good at like just knowing shit about people. You feel like you be getting messages. If you are able to prophesize through dreams, Misa's probably for you, boo. It's for all of us to, whether, whether you are a medium or whether you just need to be in a space to kind of get some insight into what's going on. Mises are so good for that. The only thing about it is that it can be hard if you're not in a particular tradition to find out who was doing the Mises because often a lot of times they're latched with any five communities. But, um, you know, anybody can do a Misa. Anybody can have them. They can be adopted for any type of spiritual tradition because it's just about calling on the spirits that are around you. It's not about anything. It's not any more than that. So, you know, if you're trying to have a Misa and you are wanting to connect with like your ancestors specifically, or like the ones who were brought over through chattel slavery, like you would sing, you could sing songs, um, you could sing Negro spirituals, you could sing gospel songs that they would have sang to call on those particular spirits. If you want to connect with spirits of this land, native spirits, you could, you could, um, Pull out some herbs that, that native folks may have used. Pull out some colognes that are known to call on um, Native American Native American tribes and nations. You can have certain sort of instruments to play to call on those spirits. It's really just about speaking the language of the spirit and calling on the spirits that you want to hear from. If you just want to have a general Misa, you can do that too. Like it, they Spirits come regardless. So, I mean... Mises are often set up in a Catholic kind of context and because you started off with an Our Father. Um, but that's because of, you know, Alan Kardec, he was Catholic and he was in France. And he created this form of calling on spirit, but it's not the only way to do it. And I think also as black folk, we can decide like, okay, do we have to start this with the Our Father? Like what prayers were our ancestors saying? Like what, what can we 
you know, what, how do we make this specific to our, um, our situation, to our ancestors, to our culture, to our traditions? And, you know, even though Alan Kardec started spiritualism in this way of like the masses and working the tables and saying, starting off with the, our father and the water glasses and the candles, let's be very clear. He didn't start communicating with spirits. He didn't start seances. He didn't start, our ancestors were having, you know, quote unquote, their own ways to call on spirits like bembe's for example which is a which is a musical form where we dance where we're dancing for the orisha and the orishas come down and invoke people in possession and people are doing that but um they came down through egbe ceremonies which is um you know, Egbe, our, our heavenly families, like our ancestors have always been possessed and calling on spirits, but it, it happened a lot through dance. It happened a lot through, through music and through other forms. But the Misa was like an easy way to adopt because it was easy. Like, okay, all I need is a candle and a table and, and, you know, like I said, all father and a glass of water, you know, it's more than that. But like, our ancestors were able to easily adapt that and people all over the world were able to easily adapt it because you didn't need much. You didn't have to have a whole bembe and get the drums out in the ceremonies. And also I would imagine that having Misa was a bit more, it was safer, probably a safer practice for our ancestors to engage in because I mean, you know, they were not allowed to practice their indigenous traditions for a long time, but when they had access to spiritualism and this process of working the table, it's like, oh, well, we got a table. Like, we we can't be out here, be, you know, hitting the drums. We ain't got no drums or, you know, we we don't have to make no drums and we can't be singing all loud and calling on our spirits, but we can call on with, with this, with this method. This method works. And so they use what works. That is a big part of hoodoo. That is a big part of um, what our ancestors have always done, what works. That is a big reason why, you know, Ifa has transformed from you know, from the Yoruba folks to being, to Lukumi, to Santaria, to 20, you know, to, um, I'm sorry, uh, Shango Baptiste, um, because they, they change and mesh and merge and intertwine with the cultures that they're a part of and that they're around. So same thing happened with calling on spirits. So I think that's why Mises were kind of adopted and now have become a part of some eight, um, African traditional religions, because, you know, that's what we had access to. It was easy. It was safer, you know, and that's that. There are spiritualism churches um, throughout the country who still do this work. Like, it's so interesting how, you know, nowadays in con like Christianity context will make it seem like this shit is wrong or like demonic. But like there are whole churches that are built around this this practice. Um, and it's inherently Christian. It's actually an inherently Christian practice. Like a Christian man created it and it, it continued to happen in churches. Like the, our father is a part of the, the work. Like even we say Hail Mary, that's very Catholic. That's also a part of, um, working a table and doing Mises. And then also we know that in the black church, people who catch the Holy ghost, Come on, that's, that's, that's also possession. That is also mounting. That is also, you know, it, it probably is not the Holy Ghost, but it's probably a spirit guide. It's probably an ancestor. It's probably someone wanting to communicate information and people get so overwhelmed with the spirit, they fall out and then they get covered in the white. You know, that is, that is 
all this shit is the same, you know, we just don't have the same context. And at one point we were able to, like when people start speaking in tongues, when they get possessed, like in church and like in black church, at one point, the others in the community would have been able to understand what that means. Like we are so far disconnected from like our language and and our tongue and spiritual tongue. We don't even know what it means. Like we don't know when people are just, it just sounds like they're speaking gibberish. A lot of times, I mean, if you're not faking, it's not gibberish. Like it is a language that we should know, but has been stripped from us. Like that, that, you know, I'm, I'm always wondering, like, I wonder what this spirit is trying to say. I wonder what this spirit is trying to communicate. Probably coming with so many answers, but we don't know. We just see people shout and and just saying jumbled up words. And it's just like, okay, well, they got caught by the quote unquote Holy Ghost. Like, no, it's so much more expansive and deep and deep than that. So if you have ever felt like that, you've ever, you know, spoken tongues, if you've been to church or you feel like you've caught the Holy Ghost, you're probably a medium. Hi, welcome to the club. And you probably want to exercise those gifts a little bit more in a space that will actually want you to cultivate your gifts. Um, and that we can, we can, because it's so important to like figure out who those spirits are. Because when we just say you caught the Holy Ghost, it's like you don't, you don't know what type of spirit that is. And like in Misa, a spirit comes, you ask the spirit, who are you? Like, what are you here for? How do you, where are you from? What is your name? Like you were asking the spirit that in church, it just becomes this whole, like a bit of a show, like a, a form of entertainment, but we're actually not getting to the root of why the spirit had to come through this person. What is going on that that spirit had to come? What is this spirit trying to communicate? Does this spirit have a message for somebody? Is this a good motherfucker? Is this spirit even benevolent? Like, we don't know what kind of energy that is. So we're just attributing all to the Holy Ghost. It could be some type of nasty ass, malevolent ass, blood sucking, drain sucking ass spirit. Like, it's really not even, it's not a safe practice to happen. So, you know, it's, it's like we, we, it's like we hold on to our traditions in so many ways within the church, but we don't hold on to it enough. So then we do ourselves a disservice because then we make, if we do too much, then it's demonic. But if we just touch on it a little bit, then that's just kind of what happens. You know, people, people get possessed by the Holy Ghost. People, you know, we throw the white over them. We take them out. They fall out. They do all of this. They can't move. I'm like, have you ever been to a bimbe? Like, that's the same shit that happens when we call on the Arisha. It's the same. It is literally the same. <laughs> we be doing the same shit. I just wish that churches would be, you know, would want to parse through that a little bit more and to really like to actually really connect and not potentially create more danger by by just naming it the holy ghost all you need is a little juju so yeah that was my misa experience it was beautiful it was amazing i feel so good like i just i was able to pass spirits that were really difficult for me to pass um when, but what I mean by past is like for them to like come through my body and actually deliver the message. Sometimes it's like you, you want to fight it or you don't know how to move with it and it's hard. And yeah, it's just 
I'm so happy that I was able to to really pass those spirits and, and, and just continue to build a relationship with them. And I think a good practice of if you are, if you do feel like you're a medium, pull out a glass of water and a candle. And if you smoke, or even if you don't smoke, honestly, like you might need a little bit of tobacco to call the spirit. Um, just smoke a little bit and see what happens. Like you might be able to start reading. Um, I would just say be careful. I would also have somebody with you because I try not to get spirits be trying to pass through me all the time when I'm alone. And it can be unsafe because if I was fully mounted by a spirit, you know, spirits try to do wild shit. Like, you know, they might think I can jump out the fucking window or something. It's like, no, baby, I can't do that. Like, I, I, I'm, that's not safe. So, so, um, yeah, I, I just think that it's so important. And I would, I would be interested in like conducting more Misas, like when I'm, when I'm traveling, like making sure that I have a space to do Misa just so that people have the, that information. It's just so, it's crucial. It's so, so crucial. And so many of us are walking around with gifts and don't even know that we have, like, I'm trying to tell y'all, my friends were like, I did not know that I could do that. And I'm like, yeah, you can do that. So many of us can do that. We just haven't had the opportunity to, to work it with each other in safe environments. And so, I think providing those spaces is so, so important. So I'm really grateful um, that Maisha hosted the Misa and just like allowed, you know, folks to come through and just get read and, to, and then we eat after. And it's so fun. It's like a turn up. You know, we drinking and we, we smoking and we, we have spirits. And, you know, I've just, I was possessed three days in a row. <laughs> like, um, so that is Misa's. I'm sorry, y'all, my... Um, Radiator is super loud today, but I need to record this because like it's Tuesday and the show is coming out in like some hours. Um, so it's also like negative. It's a high of negative twelve tomorrow, so my radiator about to be pumping. Like, how are you gonna be a high of negative twelve? I don't know how I'm still living here. I, baby, I don't know how I'm still in the Midwest in Chicago, but I am somehow. This must be something I gotta do here because it is too cold. My bones is hurting. I don't know. But anyway, I hope that that was helpful information and that that you all were able to to kind of better understand what Mises are and when I talk about it, what I mean. It is just a way to work your medium skills and to help yourself by knowing how to pass those spirits, learning what those spirits and who, who is around you, and then also helping your community. Um, and so I hope to have many, many more and maybe start doing some more regularly in Chicago so that people can come out and work their skills. And like, we can kind of have like a little training, you know, cause it's, yeah, it's, it's super important. So I hope you all enjoyed that. I hope you learned something and happy me saying, if you ever uh, attend a Misa, someone told me that they would be going to one soon on Instagram. So I don't remember who it is, but if you find one, um, let me know how it went for you because it's, you know, you grow the more, the more that you attend, the more that you grow. So happy possession. <laughs> okay. Loves. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of a little juju podcast. Again, you can always find me on Instagram. I love Instagram. I'm an Insta ho. You can find me on Instagram at it's Jujubay, I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E. That will be in the show notes. You can also, I have Jujubay on my Facebook. I never say that, but I do have Jujubay on Facebook. Um, 
you can send me a message on um, my email for Dear Juju Letters. Oh my God, I have not done a Dear Juju Letter. I'm so sorry. I have like two or three in there. Next episode, I promise I will read my Dear Juju Letters. Like, I promise I will. I'm sorry. Um... But you can always reach out to me there on my website. It's jujubay at gmail.com. Don't forget you can support me with the Patreon, with sharing, subscribing, commenting, sending love, praying for me, everything. I appreciate it all. And, um, yeah, I will see y'all, hear y'all, talk to (laughs) y'all next week. And all you need is a little juju. I hope y'all have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful week. Ashe, later, y'all.